Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Brian Davis here from Spark Rental. And rather than Denny joining me today, I have a special guest, Becky Nova of LadyLandlords.com. Becky, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Now, if you guys have been with us for a little while, you probably remember Becky from 10 months ago. She was on and she was talking about how she and her husband, Emilio, have reached financial independence in less than three years of buying their first piece of real estate, which is just incredible. And, you know, neither Becky nor her husband are like investment bankers with $500,000 a year salaries. You know, they're, they're both normal, everyday people. Uh, Becky, you are a, a medical researcher, right? Correct. I run clinical trials for um, cancer patients. Which is not only super exciting, but it's also very important work, of course. <laughs> um, yes. and, and your husband, Emilio, is a bartender. So, you know, you guys are, are normal middle class people, and yet you've managed to reach financial independence in three years, uh, less than three years. Um, if I remember correctly, you guys bought your first house or your first property, which was a house hack in early 2018. Is that right? Yep, that good memory. Yep, it was early 2018 that we still at that time I had no idea anything about real estate investment investing. I didn't plan on buying anything more than our own personal home that we were that we had bought a duplex. So we were able to house hack and and live for a much cheaper price here in New York. But even at that time it still was just a blip on the radar of something I would be doing. Yeah, and then so you scaled up. You you bought I think a fourplex next. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And then got into some international real estate. So you know, we're going to get into all that and um, and and more today. As you guys join us, let us know where you're tuning in from. Let us know your questions for Becky. Uh, you know, this is an international or a uh, an interactive show, uh, not just an international show as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is you guys are welcome to participate as well. So fire your questions at Becky as they come in. And in the meantime, you know. Becky, let's talk about you know what's changed in the last ten months since you and I have chatted last. Um, so, how has your approach to investing in real estate changed you know since the beginning of the pandemic? Sure. As actually, I looked it up. We had a conversation about a week after my husband and I had bought another duplex, um, okay. which I kind of refer, I always refer to as like my COVID baby. It was the property <laughs> yeah. that we had to change our plan with. Um, of what we typically look for. And, and that also now, a year later, has really kind of shifted how we look at things. And what I mean by that is we really sat down and took what happened through the pandemic and said, okay, these are the things that we've learned. These are the things that we've realized are important to us. And these are kind of what our predictions are on how things are going to kind of move forward. And we've used that as a guide um, for what our real estate investing has looked like over this past year. I feel like a lot of people kind of will agree with me. I'm quite sure that market's a little bit crazy right now. There are, right. I, I could speak for New York. Um, you know, a lot of places are just going really over ask. They are going really quick. People are waving all different types of things to be able to get deals done. 
And my husband and I kind of decided that we're going to be in a place where we're not chasing properties. We're not trying to, you know, make deals work when they really kind of don't. And that has kind of been the story of our situation for the past year. Yeah. I mean, the numbers are the numbers and, you know, you can, you can try to will them to change, but that doesn't mean they will change. <laughs> so no, so is, many investors trying to do that right now saying like, well, like I really want it or I really want my first property or I really want this one. And they're becoming a little emotionally attached to it where then they're kind of chasing things. And all of a sudden what was a good deal isn't such a good deal or then sometimes turns into a really bad deal. So that's something that I feel like we're really cognizant of making sure does not happen for our situation. Yeah. And, you know, you used a, a phrase there that I thought was very important and that's emotionally attached. There, there should never be emotional attachment in investing. <laughs> you leave the emotional yeah. attachment to, you know, your romantic life and your, your family life, <laughs> but, but never with your investments. So, you know, it's, Speaking of the, the pandemic and how things have changed, I'm curious to hear if you guys are, are you worried about uh, regulation, landlord regulation moving forward as rental investors, uh, you know, in, in the wake of, for example, the eviction moratorium, which has been extended five times now, uh, <laughs> is, is regulation a concern of yours in, in the wake of the pandemic or do you have other concerns that are, are more troubling to you? Actually, no, I'm not so worried about the regulations. Most of my properties are in New York. We are already a heavily regulated state. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, very, very yeah. heavy re regulation there. Exactly. We and in and in New York in June 2019, there were a ton of tenant landlord laws that were actually passed here, which really kind of changed the game. And people felt that those were really strict. Um, that those were things that they just were not happy with a lot of the different options with. And that was once again only a year into my husband and I buying rental properties, and we were able to make them work. It wasn't something that really bothered me. I felt like it was something of just making sure that you understand your regulations, following through and just planning accordingly. That really kind of helped. The I think that would be the same thing with anything else that's gonna be kind of moving forward. I do clearly with the eviction moratorium, yes, that does not make me happy. My husband and I have been very fortunate um, that we screened our tenants very well, that we thank you actually to Spark Rental, who we've done all of our tenants screening with. So, so definitely a, a kudos to the screening process that, that Spark Rental has. But we've been able to have great screening for our tenants. And therefore, yes, we've had some blips with them on them losing jobs. My husband himself is a bartender. My husband was out of work for the past year and a half. So these are things that we are able to be compassionate and, and have empathy for. But I definitely see that a lot of people that are being able to take advantage of these situations. Um, and I think that kind of does need to be balanced out. So that perspective of the eviction moratorium does concern me. I think there's, there's kind of people on both sides, right? There are tenants that are absolutely in need of help. They are in situations where, where they really do. The state needs to step in and they need to, they need to have that help provided for them. But on the other hand, there are also landlords that do need help as well. So I do think it's something that we kind of need to continue to be compassionate about from both perspectives and understand that there are people in bad situations on both sides and there are also people taking advantage on both sides. So we need to be cognizant of that, but I am, it is not stopping me from moving forward, growing my portfolio. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So speaking of growing your portfolio, you know, let's talk for a second about how you go about finding deals because, you know, obviously every investor takes a different approach to that. So, so how do you and your husband go about finding deals, finding rental properties to, to buy? Sure. So my strategy is to always tell everybody what I'm looking for. <laughs> so <laughs> I make sure that 
Um, so first thing that I will say that will probably surprise most people listening, most, I think almost all of my deals I've actually found through my realtor on the MLS, even in New York, (laughs) even in New York, I've been able to find my deals that way. So, um, I think out of the three, the four properties we have in New York, three of them were on the MLS. And then the fourth was actually an off market deal all found through the same realtor. So I will say that it is incredibly important to make sure that you still use that as an option. I feel like sometimes in real estate investing, people will always look for the creative option and they tend to pick a little bit of a more difficult route than is sometimes necessary. We talk about like, what are these different creative financing strategies? What are these different creative ways to like find deals? And sometimes we miss the obvious opportunities. So I will always start with making sure that my realtor knows what I'm looking for. And, but then I will also make sure that other people that I connect with also know what I'm looking for. So that way I can increase my chances of finding deals. So I do have a network of wholesalers that I'm looking for that I, that I speak to that know my criteria. I do have other realtors. I do have other investors because what I've really been able to set up that I'm pretty proud of over the past couple years now is I actually have people that call me with deals. Instead of me having to go knock on doors, instead of me having to go cold call and reach out to a thousand people hoping that somebody will answer their phone, I have people that email me or call me regularly with deals all the time. Um, so I've actually, one thing that I've worked on over this past year is being much more specific in what I'm looking for. So then that way, when people do come to me, I can easily say, yes, this is an option or no, this is not. Well, that is a great answer. And, you know, people always underestimate the power of networking <laughs> and the power of your network. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, and it's a surprising answer as well, you know, that you have found most of your deals through a realtor uh, or all of your mm-hmm. deals through a realtor, at least all of your deals within the U.S. Uh, I know you have an international property as well that we'll get to in a minute. But, um, yeah, you know, realtors who good realtors anyway, you know, become experts in their local market and they're well connected. I mean, they they know a lot of people, especially investor specialist realtors. Um, You know, they know a lot of investors um, and a lot of people who don't necessarily have their property listed for sale at this moment, but would be willing to sell. So uh, it's a a great tip to just always keep your network uh, appraised of what you're looking for. uh, And you'd be surprised what comes back to you. So, but it's also that making sure they know what you're looking for. I think over the past year, one thing that I've done that's really helped is gotten really, really clear on what I'm looking for. So for example, I had a wholesaler that I know that I know well through my different networking groups in New York reach out to me saying, hey, can I put you on my buyer's list? I have properties all the time in this area and this area. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. That's not an area I'm interested in. So that's not something that's gonna kind of work. So by able, if you went to a person and just said like, hey, I wanna buy a property. Let me know what you have that's off market. Cool. You could be getting things that aren't really going to work for you or that person's not going to keep you in mind because they're like, I don't know if that's what Brian wanted or this. He didn't tell me if it could be a million dollars or if it needed to be a hundred bucks or if he was willing to do a lot of work or no work. I have no information. But when I can go in and say to my network, like, hey, I'm looking for a house with this price, with this type of work to be done to it, which is going to give me a return of this. It's I'm getting much more qualified leads. And like I said, they're calling me. Yeah, and you don't end up with an inbox that's you know filled with thousands of of different irrelevant leads and you know just with so, so much noise that you can't act uh, because yeah. it can be it can be crippling when you have too much noise. So I mm-hmm. do I do want to talk to you for a minute about overseas investing because that's something that a lot of investors are interested in but don't really know how to move forward with how to get started. Uh, so 
you you and your husband own a property in the Dominican Republic, right? Correct. And and your husband is actually from the Dominican Republic, which I'm sure helped. Uh, but you know, yes. walk, so walk walk us through exactly how you went about finding that property, vetting it, you know, making sure that you're, uh, you know, you're, you're mitigating your risks and all of those things, uh, because I, I think sure. it would be interesting to a lot of people. Yeah, and it is something that I feel like so many more people are thinking about in the past year, especially with how crazy our market is. Yeah. So happy to talk about this subject. So, what was what really made a difference was actually same kind of thing as what we would think about in New York or I'm sorry, in the States. I feel like a lot of people are hesitant to go with long distance investing because they don't necessarily know other places, right? They don't, they've never been to Ohio. So maybe they don't want to buy there because they don't know anybody there. They don't know the neighborhoods, those types of things. So it was helpful that we were able to pick a country that once again, my husband grew up in, but that I'd actually been to as well. So we knew different neighborhoods. We knew people that were there. We knew which places were good, which places were bad, where people were gonna wanna rent from and where they wouldn't. So it did help. Same thing when I tell people when they ask about long distance investing, if you're even investing in the States, pick a place you've been to or that you know somebody there that can at least give you a little bit of insight. That's much better than just picking a complete spot off of randomness by throwing a dart at a map. <laughs> so we started with that. The other thing that I will say that's the big caveat to my property in the Dominican Republic that also always shocks people is our property is not a beachfront short-term rental. Ours is actually in the city, in the capital, Santo Domingo, and it is actually a long-term rental. You can't even see the beach from this place. <laughs> so it is a very different concept. And one of the reasons we did that was because, one, my husband did want to be able to buy a place where we felt like we were participating in the community and providing housing for the people there. So this was definitely, this was not our cash cow. This was much more of a passion project um, for us. There, we could have went the opposite way. And we'll talk about the short-term rentals in a little bit. But what made it interesting was once we were then able to say what we want, right? Talking about that criteria. We want a long-term rental. We want people that are going to be there for a long time. And we want it to be in a safe neighborhood. One, that really was able to kind of narrow down the areas that we were looking in. It also worked out well because we were able to buy a place that is not a bad cab ride away for my husband's family to also get to. So same kind of thing. We have boots on the ground. If there's a disaster, if there's something totally crazy, we can just, you know, Venmo somebody some money and we can make sure his family can get over there and, you know, watch our property burn to the ground, you know, like whatever it may be. <laughs> so, so at least, you know, that just kind of gives us a little bit of a peace of mind. We've actually never had to do that, knock on wood. But it is just kind of nice knowing that that exists. Then what we were able to do was find, since my husband once again had connections there, we were able to find our realtor. We were actually able to look into new developments, which was the way that my husband wanted to go. He wanted to buy a property that was new. What was good about that is when you buy kind of in that new development, they understand that foreigners are going to be wanting to invest in those types of properties. So they kind of have a turnkey option. They really are able to say, great, we're building this building. This is the down payment that you have to put. This is your deposit. This is how much you need to pay at your down payment um, at this time point. This is, you know, your pre-sale contract you have to go through. This is what all of this is what you can expect like along the way. So it actually was really nice for our first property internationally to kind of have like this whole system walk together. If I invested in, once again, we'll pick on Ohio today. If I'm investing in Ohio where I've never been before, I have to probably talk to 10 different realtors before I decide which realtor is a good fit for me. I'm going to have to talk to multiple 
mortgage brokers before I realize who's going to be the best one for me. I'm going to have to talk to different property managers. And then you're doing it all piecemeal. What's actually nice when you look for some of these new developments is they kind of say like, yup, here's the company, here's the bank we're using, oh, and here's the property management if you would like that option as well. Well, so speaking of the bank, so uh, your, your mm -hmm. husband is is a, a dual citizen, I assume. So he has still right. citizenship in Dominican Republic. So I imagine that that eliminated some of the challenges for you guys, right? As far as you know, um, you know, the legal ability to own property, the ability to borrow money from a lender. So did you guys not have any challenges with that that normal Americans buying in a foreign country might encounter? So also the most useful thing was my husband's Spanish is really, really good. So, <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> so, 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 so that was also really useful. Um, but like it, my husband always kind of said, you know, he felt he made sure that we were always getting like the local rate, right? Like the local <laughs> deal here, which was nice, which also is a very big thing in the Dominican Republic. There is a lot of negotiation. There is a lot of, you know, if you are Dominican, it's this price. If you are American, it's this price. Sure, there are a lot of those price, different yeah. things. <laughs> Yes, exactly. The gringo price. So like there were certain times that like my husband was like, you're not allowed to come to the bank today. Like I have to like, like I'm negotiating like final sales price. Like we can't know that you're involved. Um, and the, it was just kind of interesting from that perspective. But from banks, yes, it was much easier because also since we have Dominican bank accounts, it just, we didn't have to worry about transferring money. We didn't have to worry about exchange rates. It was something that we'd already had set up, which did definitely make a difference as an American. You actually, in some places, some developers will allow financing from that country. And there are very few banks, and I've looked into this from not only the Dominican Republic, but also in certain other countries. There are sometimes banks that will give foreign investors loans. They will come at a premium. Right. You are going to be paying high interest. Um, you are going to be subject to very different terms. Sometimes there's also a different, a completely different purchase price for what that would look like than if you were actually financing that project within within the country itself. Um, that's why usually a lot of you have to really talk to the developer or the owner to say what are do you even allow. Sometimes they'll say no, it's cash only. That's it. Sometimes they will say um, because remember, an American bank is not going to give you money to go buy property in a foreign country, right? right? They have there's no ability for them to collect propose. on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just not going to work that way. So you would need your only chance if you need financing would be to get financing in the country that you're buying. But it is very far and few between to be able to do that. It really is cash as king. The other thing that came from a mortgage a banking um, perspective. So my husband and I, like I said, this was not our cash cow. This was a passion project. It is by far our cheapest property, um, especially owning properties in New York. But we actually did choose to finance it. We could have paid for the property in cash, which I just think it's really cool to say because I couldn't have said that five years ago when I was <laughs> broke. But we actually would have been able to pay for it in cash. But the reason we didn't was because it would have slowed up our availability to buy the next property, right? So basically, if I paid for it in cash, there goes my down payment for the next property. So right. we chose to finance it for that reason. Yeah, and you don't always know when the next deal will come along, right? I mean, it could be a year before a, a deal that you like comes along, or a deal could come along in two weeks that you really like, and you want to be able to pounce on it as they come. Or construction workers on an island that is hit by hurricanes very often and are not exactly known for being very timely people <laughs> could take a year and a half longer to finish a project, which means by that time, I had already found another deal. 
that was actually when we were closing on that quadplex. And we then came into a situation where the bank in DR called us and said, hey, okay, we're done. We need to now close the loan. And my mortgage broker in the States, <laughs> like, flipped out being like, there is no way you guys can close on that property until we close on a huge four family <laughs> on two lots with a parking lot in New York City. Like, this one takes priority. You can't do that right now. So it did really kind of change. So you have to kind of think ahead of those things. So our goal was not to like always carry the mortgage on that, but it was something that we said at this time, it made sense for us to be able to do. What's interesting though, that we don't think about is that here in America, in most situations, standard, you have a 15 year mortgage or you have a 30 year mortgage. You typically are gonna have an, a fixed interest rate throughout the length of the loan. That is not the way mortgages always work in other countries. Right. Um, in DR, your loan options are five years or seven years. They oh, also have, what's that? Your car loan. I know. Um, you also have variable interest rates. The interest is calculated and applied daily. Daily? Daily. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, we had like, like most banks, you know, you have the app that tells you how much you have like left on your loan. And every single day we were watching that number go up. Um, so, you know, like those are things to kind of take into consideration. So, and once again, now we're getting, you know, the Dominican special rate. Could you imagine now what interest rates would have looked like as a foreigner? I think to start off with our interest rate was like 9%. Oh. And and that was like a great, great number at that time. But if I had applied as an American, I probably would have been looking at twice that amount. That's a huge difference. That's like, I mean, you could, you could, there are credit cards that charge less than 18% interest. <laughs> I mean, so yes. <laughs> you, you said that this property, this property in the Dominican Republic is not a cash cow for you. Um, how, how do your returns on it compare to your returns on some of your properties in New York? Sure. So actually we are doing better with the property now that the property is paid off. So about a year after owning that property, once again, we had closed now on the fourplex. We ended up buying, like I said, that COVID baby duplex that I have in upstate New York. So once we had bought those, we were kind of looking at the market. Um, my husband and I actually live in the Dominican Republic over the winter to evaluate buying a short-term rental. And also just because I hate snow and I was not going to sit in a New York winter. So when we went down there, we actually were struggling finding another property. So we chose to pay off the, um, the other property in the Dominican Republic. At first, it was really making us, I think, like 50 bucks a month, um, which to me is really kind of not anything to get out of bed for. Um, in New York, really most of my, my properties all make at least $500 a door. So to me, 50 bucks is a very different number. Now that we've paid that property off, it does bring in a good couple hundred dollars a month, but it's really more around like a $300 mark. So still a lot less, but that's also because now it's, it's completely paid. Right. Okay. So, so you guys spent the winter in the Dominican Republic. Yes. Now yes, we did. you're, you have not retired yet, right? You're, you're still working full time. I have agreed to continue working at my job for the next two and a half years. Okay. I have a little count. I've got my little countdown over here. Trust me. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So the last mm -hmm. time we spoke, I think you said that you were planning on retiring around forty. So is that about the, the same time frame? Okay. So that's still yeah, on. Two and a half years. Still I on. I like it. I like it. 
but it's, so it seems like you can do some of your work um, remotely. Correct. My, so not only have I been remote clearly throughout the pandemic, but actually I switched to a new pharmaceutical company and I'm a hundred percent remote. Oh, great. So I can kind of go anywhere now. So yes, right. I, it is not, it is not just a pandemic reason that I am remote. I am now a hundred percent remote. Our plan, our plan the entire time, even actually before I had no idea how I was going to fund this. But even before we went into real estate, our plan was actually to be able to do some type of six months in DR, six months in the United States type of schedule anyways. So that was kind of always the plan. Real estate was able just to speed that up and was able to show us how that plan would actually become a reality for us. So that was really kind of cool. So this past summer, this past winter, was actually our kind of testing. My husband actually originally only gave me five weeks. He said, okay, we'll go down, we're gonna spend one week with family, and then we'll do four weeks staying down there, living there, kind of seeing what that's like. It was so easy, Brian, to manage our properties in New York. It was so easy just to continue to stay there that we just we decided to, to extend it another two months. That's awesome, I love it. Yeah, as, as an expat myself, yeah, I'm, I'm all about, you know, being able to work from anywhere in the world, live anywhere in the world, travel, so I just, I, I can't tell you enough how much I love that. Now, yeah. are you guys, you're still house hacking, right? In, in your, when you're in New York? Correct. Yep. We still are house hacking. That's actually something as my husband and I were kind of planning out, like we had a little, we have a little family meeting where we kind of talked about what we want the next couple of years to kind of look like and how some of those moving chess pieces are all going to kind of work out. That was a conversation that we kind of had. And I was kind of like, I don't know if I'd ever live in a single family house. I was like, I think I would always, I, even if, you know, we had then just a house hack and then didn't rent out our home when we weren't there for like the five, six months, I was like, I don't think I would ever live in like a single family house. Maybe that'll change, but I was, I can't picture me doing that. Well, you know, when you're house hacking and you don't have a house payment, it makes it a lot easier to do things like go down to the Dominican Republic for three months at a time on a whim, right? So, you know, you have right. the flexibility to do that stuff when you don't have a house payment. So, yeah, it makes such a big difference just in the options available to you uh, in your lifestyle. Yeah. So you you started a company called Lady Landlords, right? Ladylandlords.com, mm -hmm. which I will, will put a link to in the comments here. So, you know, just tell us a little bit about how that's going, what you guys are up to right now over there. Uh, Tara from, from our office absolutely loves your work <laughs> and your website and the community you have uh, built on Thank Facebook. You. So, yeah, tell us about what, what you're up to over with Ladylandlords.com. Sure. I still am, like, in complete awe of, like, even what Lady Landlords is and has become. Um, Lady Landlords really kind of came out of the beginning of the pandemic. My, like I said, my husband's now out of work. I'm sitting here and my answer to him being out of work was, well, let's go buy another house to, <laughs> to help bring in like extra income. He didn't, he wasn't really seeing it that way. Um, my husband's the saver. I am the risk taker in the relationship. So I totally understand why he kind of freaked out about that. So I was like, okay, cool. Like if that's not for you, I get it. But this was something that I really kind of want to move forward with. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go and kind of find some strangers on the internet and see what they think of my plan. So I started a Facebook group called Lady Landlords. I thought it would literally be me and like my mom in the group and nobody else. And now a year and a half later, we have 20,000 members in her Facebook group. And one of the things that I've started to do since then is I help create resources based on the needs of the group. 
So for example, in the past year, I've now created a beginner's guide to real estate investing, a how to scale your property um, course as well. I really walk people through a mentorship program now, making sure that they understand the steps that they actually need along the way. Um, Colleen was actually in our group. So Colleen, thanks for the shout out. Um, <laughs> Colleen was in, really took a chance on me very early on with one of the first courses that I had done. So I appreciate the support and she's been with me the along the way, just like Tara, she was one of the first women, I think actually in the group. Um, but it just really turned into so much more of a movement. Actually, I am, this entire week, I am planning for, we do local meetups here in the New York area, oh, nice. and we also do a virtual meetup. But for New York, we've always done it out at some type of location. And I've had women from New Jersey, from Connecticut, from Rhode Island, New Hampshire, that said, hey, I want to come, but it's just, you know, I can't get there on a Thursday night after work. So we were actually able to, do now our first Saturday event. So I am actually hosting at one of my rental properties. Oh. I am hosting about 45 lady landlords um, here at my property and really going to be kind of walking them through like the rental. And we're just going to have a really great fun time in the afternoon, just connecting with other people that are doing what we want to do that can inspire us, help us partner with us to be able to kind of really push us forward with our portfolios. So I am not quite sure what the next year for Lady Landlords holds, but I am so excited to see what it brings. Um, so it's it's really been a great journey. Well, that's fantastic. And you know that kind of ties us right back to the very beginning about your network it often determines your opportunities, right? So, and for people listening and who can't see the comments, you know, Tara said, yes, I love it. Always cheering for you. Colleen Weldon <laughs> says, Becky rocks, rocks in all capitals with several exclamation marks. Janine White says, I'm loving this as a lady landlord. I'm going to follow right now. Um, and Colleen uh, turned back in with, it's a great community. So uh, Becky, you really, you have built something special over there with lady landlords. And uh, you know, yeah. the enthusiasm that you see in the comments definitely <laughs> speaks to that. So, so, how can, <laughs> so how how can people connect with you if, if they want to learn more about uh, what kind of real estate investments you're doing, uh, you know, what you're doing with lady landlords? What's the best way for people to connect with you? Sure. For anyone that identifies as female, feel free to join Lady Landlords Facebook group. Um, just literally type in Lady Landlords, you will see us pop up. Um, otherwise, we also do have the Lady Landlords podcast. So clearly all different genders and non-binaries are able to listen to our podcast there. So search for Lady Landlords there. And then lastly, Brian had already put the link for lady-landlords.com. So feel free to go on our website. You can always shoot me a message there and, and find our Instagram, our YouTube, all those different resources on the website. And uh, Christina Cullen says, hi, Becky. Uh, Christina yeah. is a, a regular around here. <laughs> so, um, and we also, I put a link in the comments too, to the original case study that we wrote up about you and your husband and um, how you reached financial independence so quickly. Uh, so there's a lot more details in that case study about the properties you bought, you know, what you paid for them, what kind of returns you guys got, um, you know, financing tips and all that good stuff. Um, Edwin Torres says, hi, Becky. Hi, Brian. Thanks for this great info. Always learning. Uh, and Edwin, thank you Aww. for, for, for uh, chiming in there as well. So uh, Becky, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up today? Anything you want to include before to call this episode complete? Sure. So for anybody out there that's listening here that is still not quite sure what they want to do next, they're either concerned with what's going on with the moratorium, regulations, laws, all that type of thing, or just really new, make sure to post in the Spark Rental group and ask your questions. There are so many people that you have in your group 
that are able to give information, that are able to share, that'll help get through that analysis paralysis, that deal analysis, tenant screening, all of those different things. Just know that everybody in this community is here cheering all of you on. So don't hesitate to make a post and ask some questions so that way you can get your on your way to financial freedom um, sooner than later. Maggie, thank you so, so much for your time today. As yeah. always, you know, it was such a, a rich and valuable uh, interview and there were so many great tips that you gave the audience. So thank you so much for your time today. Of course. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys, we will see you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Let us know in the meantime what you want to hear about next week. All right. Bye now. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.